0: Good morning and happy Resurrection Sunday. We are thrilled that you're here with us today as we celebrate what is the most critical events in all of human history. As the disciples, the apostles, those in the early church would gather together, especially in the time of intense persecution under the Roman Empire, many times in order to signify that they were all of the same spiritual family, one would draw the shape of a, fi- a fish in the sand. And then the other one would declare, he is risen. And then the one who drew the fish would respond and say, he is risen indeed. And so this morning we come bearing the sign of the one who said that he would make us fishers of men. And we celebrate the fact that he, he is alive. He is risen from the dead. He has conquered every foe. Today I come to you and what I've normally been doing is a seated kind of conversational teaching, but Easter, the resurrection is something that I just can't sit down to talk about. I've got to stand up and I probably will do a little bit of proclamation today because this is a celebratory message. It is something that we, uh, we celebrate all of history because Jesus has changed billions of lives and he is still changing lives. The title of the message this morning is called The Name Above All names. Our text is found in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. The Apostle Paul said it this way Therefore, God elevated him, that's Jesus, to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess and declare that he is Lord. When I teach or preach here at Victory, part of my style of bringing the word is that I incorporate a one thing concept. That one thing will be revisited several times during the message because when We finish with this, I want you to go away. If you don't get anything else, I want you to go away with this one concept, emboldened, imprinted on your spirit and in your heart. The one thing is this, everything God is, everything that we are called to is all wrapped up in one name. Everything God is, everything we are called to is all wrapped up in one. One name. Let's bow our hearts together for a word of prayer. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to utilize the one of the gifts of this age, the technology that you've given to us. Though that as believers, we can't gather at this physical location. We can celebrate, we can worship, we can declare the word of the Lord. Father, we can experience the communion of saints. Lord, across these internet Wi-Fi lines, and we thank you for that. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would just be present in the homes of your people. Your word says that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We stand confidently in that promise and in that truth. I ask you to take the words of my heart. The meditation of my mind, let them be pleasing in your sight, O Lord. You are my strength and my redeemer. I acknowledge that I desperately need you more than I ever have before. God, I thank you that through you I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in his name that I pray and all of God's people said, amen. Everything God is, everything we are called to is all wrapped up in one name. Pauline, Epistle of Philippians, says that that's at that name of Jesus. This morning, as we look into this, I want to talk for just a moment about a backward glance, about looking backward into covenantal history. Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Paul wrote that great treatise on justification, on the righteousness of God. And he begins in Romans chapter 1, verse 1. He says, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach the good news. That's the translation of the word gospel, that is good news. In verse 2, God promised this good news, this gospel, long ago through the prophets in the holy scriptures That's our backward glance this morning. We're going to look back and see what the prophets and the sages said in the past. God promised this good news long ago through the prophets and the holy scriptures. The good news is about the Son. In his earthly life, he was born into the King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, thank you for the power that is in your word. That passage that we just read this morning signifies the importance of the resurrection. If Jesus had merely died for us, even as we believe a substitute in our place. If he hadn't gotten up out of the grave, if the tomb was not empty this morning, if the tomb wasn't empty 2,000 years ago when the women who went to, to dress the body of Jesus in spices for burial, if that tomb had not been empty, then the death would have been totally in vain. There were hundreds of would-be messiahs that were crucified by the Roman Empire during this same very period of history. But what sets Jesus apart from all of those who made false claims is that he actually was the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He is the sin bearer and he got up out of the grave. The resurrection means everything. These three days from Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday are like bookends. They are critical to everything that Christianity stands for. They, they, are, they are the hinge point on which all of history hangs, on which everything in terms of our relationship to God as men and women is all dependent upon. The Bible is one grand story with one great character. Hear that. Too often folk think it's just a bunch of mythological ideas that have been strung together in this great big confusing tapestry. Yes, it was written by over 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years, but it's a grand meta-narrative, a great story of redemption with one central great character, and his name is Jesus. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 40, verses 7 and 8. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. King James says, in the volume of the book, it is written of me. He says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. This morning, I so wish that I had a room packed with people that were ready to worship and celebrate the name of Jesus, because what I have here is, is so exciting. Jesus is literally in every book of the Bible, either in promise or in pattern, Present really is the issue. Listen to this. You can Google this and and just say Jesus in every book, and there are scores of these that will give you different responses because in every one of the books, Jesus appears in a pattern or a type or a prophetic symbol literally dozens and dozens of times depending on the length of the book. In Genesis, Jesus Christ is the seed of the woman. In Exodus, he is the Passover lamb, In Leviticus, he is our high priest. In Numbers, he is the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet like unto Moses. In Joshua, he is the captain of our salvation. I don't have time this morning to get all of these. I'm going to skip a few. In Psalms, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he is the purpose and the meaning of all of life. In Isaiah, he is the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he is the righteous branch. In Lamentations, he is the weeping prophet. Jumping on down, I love it. In Joel, he is the baptizer with the Holy Ghost and fire. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. Obadiah, he's the one who is mighty to save. In Micah, he is the messenger with beautiful feet. In Zephaniah, he is our savior. In Haggai, he's the restorer of God's lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is the fountain opened up in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. In Malachi, he is the son of righteousness, rising with healing in his wings. In the Gospels, in Matthew, he is the lion, the king of the Jews. In Mark, he is the ox, the servant of servants. In Luke, he's the son of man, feeling what you feel and all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In John, he's the eagle, the son of God. In in Acts, he's the savior of the world and our baptizer. In the Holy Ghost. In Romans, he's our righteousness. In 1 Corinthians, he's the rock that followed Israel. In Galatians, he's your liberty. In Ephesians, he's your authority. In Philippians, he is your joy. In Colossians, he is your completeness. I'm gonna skip on to the end. In Hebrews, he is your great high priest. In James, he is the power behind your faith. In 1 John, he is your life. In 2 John, he is your pattern. In 3 John, he is your motivation. In Jude, he's the foundation of your faith. In Revelation, he is our soon coming king. Hear this, saints. Every one of those books, and I probably skipped 30 of them because I just don't have time this morning. But every one of them has multiple pictures of Jesus. He said, Lo, it is written of me in the scroll of the book, in the volume of the book, I have come to do your will, O God. Hear this He is the first and the last, He's the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He's, he always was, he always is, and he always will be, unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised, and he brought healing. He was pierced, and he eased pain. He is risen and he brings power. He was dead and he brought life. I love that. He reigns and he brings peace. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The leaders can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. And the people couldn't hold him. That's Jesus. That is the name that is above all names. Hitler couldn't silence him. Nero couldn't crush him. The new age can't replace him and no one can explain him away. He is goodness and kindness. He is gentleness and he is God. He is holy and righteous and mighty and powerful and pure. His ways are right and his word is eternal. His will is unchanging and his mind is on me and on you. He is our guide, he is our peace, he is our joy and our comfort. He is my Lord and he rules my life. When the veil is removed, saints, you can see him everywhere. You can see him not only in the New Testament, but you can look back in a glance and you can see him all over the old covenant. Jesus said in Luke 24, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So every one of those patterns, every one of those promises, every one of those prophetic types shows us that Jesus was present at that time with his people. What is our one thing? Everything God is Everything we are called to is all wrapped up in one name. Those that were living at the time were looking forward to one that was yet to come. This is their forward perspective. My second point is in Proverbs chapter 18. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. The, the scripture says in Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs, it says your name is as ointment poured forth. The word ointment in Hebrew literally means compounded. It's like the pharmacist who takes herbs and various products and puts them together and and makes something that will bring healing. It's that idea of compounding a, a mortar and pestle and grinding something together and making it become one. It says your name is as ointment or a compound that is poured forth. Hear this. God progressively revealed himself to his covenant people throughout all of the Old Testament Every time a name of God was revealed, it was a snapshot of God's character. If you can hear this, it was, it was God's Instagram account. It showed God and his character and his ability in a different light every time. All this last week, we met for Seek Week. We had a Facebook Live on our church Facebook page, and we had a testimony every night, and we took about a five-minute teaching for just five of the over 60 different compound names of God. One was Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the one who gets us victory. We learned that it's Jesus who gives us the victory. It comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Jehovah Roi, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Hear this, where God leads, God feeds. Where God guides, God provides. He is our good shepherd. I don't have time to go into the, so very many of these, but there's so many of them. He is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees your need before it ever happens, and he provides for it. I love that. Every one of those names are like movie trailers that just show a snippet of the movie that is yet to be released. And folk, all of those snippets were consummated. They culminated. They they gathered together in the power of one name in the movie that was released in the theater of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that God is, everything that we are called to is all wrapped up in one name. My third point, those of old looked back and they, we can rather look back and see a glance that Christ is all over the old covenant. Those that were living at the time look forward, yearning for the fulfillment of all of those patterns and types and symbols. But now that he's here, everyone must look up. We must look up and see the Savior and the Lord of all. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter one, verse 19, Paul writes and he says, what is the immeasurable Greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named. I'm going to stop right there. Above every name that is named. The apostles said themselves... In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, they said, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Salvation is in no one else, in no other name. It is only in the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is our one thing? Everything God is, everything we are called to, is all wrapped up in one name, and that is the name of Jesus. My last point this morning, think about this. As Christians, we can look backward to glance and see Christ all over the old covenant, those that were living at a time at that time looked forward for the longing for the one that would come and fulfill all of those pictures. But now we see, we look up and we can see him. He is, he is raised into the heavenlies. He, he hung suspended between heaven and earth two thousand years ago on a good Friday, and he hung his head in the last words he said, "It is finished." He was buried and he was. In the ground on the third day, the Bible says he got up out of the grave, he conquered death, he conquered sin and sickness and everything that is under the curse. And because of that now, I don't have to be bound, I I can be at liberty. I can walk in freedom, I can walk in faith over fear in the middle of this crisis. Because the name of Jesus is higher than the circumstance you're facing. The name of Jesus is higher than cancer. The name of Jesus is higher than COVID-19. The name of Jesus is greater than the coronavirus. Because I can look up and receive him and have that name placed upon me and in my heart, my last point is this. The church now has an outward vision. Acts chapter 15, verses 14 through 18. Hear this. In the council of Jerusalem, when the disciples had gathered together and they're having some confrontation and conflict over what it means to bring people into this, this new move of God in this church, do they have to become Jewish first? And So they're having this big argument over whether they should be circumcised and all of those things that are happening. And Paul, I'm sorry, not Paul, but James stands up And James replied, he says, brothers, listen to me. Simeon, which is another another name for Peter, Simeon has related how God visited the Gentiles to take from them, here it is right here, a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree. What, What we're actually saying here is that the New Testament church didn't just now put on a pair of glasses and look backward to see Christ all over the place, to see him in pattern and in promise, but also present. But now that they look back with Christ's glasses, they can see the mission of Jesus, which was this universal body called the church, this ecclesia, this called out to lead, called out to serve group of people, a people for his name, a people that would walk in his image and according to his mission, a people that would be peacemakers, a people that would love and serve and, and, and give an acts of kindness and lay down their lives one for another. He says, after this, the words of the prophets agreed, just as it is written, after this I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that is fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it that the remnant of mankind, that's everybody else out there, not just one nation, God's chosen people, the God's covenant people were the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, but he says that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles Who are, here it is, called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. God's design and God's desire is not just to have a savior with a superlative name. The name of Jesus is the consummation, the gathering together of all of those amazing snapshots of God. Jesus is our peace, our Jehovah Shalom. Jesus is our our healer, our Jehovah Rapha. Jesus is our, our, our victory, our banner over us that's love. He is our Jehovah Nisi, and we could go on and on and on. All of these are all culminated in this one name of Jesus. His design wasn't just to do that, but it was to have a people made in his image, a people for his name. Everything that God is, everything that we are called to is all wrapped up in one name and that is the name of Jesus. We began this message in Philippians chapter 2, and it says that at that name, the name that is above every name, that at that name that every knee should bow, every tongue should confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you've never taken a step across the line of faith, I use that phrase very often And let me tell you what that means. There are people who go through life and believe that Jesus uh, truly was a historical figure. Just like they believe that Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president and George Washington was the father of our country. They believe it historically. In other words, it's nothing more than mentally assenting to a fact. But folk, let me tell you, the difference in mentally assenting to a historical Jesus and crossing the line of faith is this, I believe George Washington was the father of our nation but I'm not putting my trust in him to do anything for me certainly not of any eternal value I'm thankful for what he did but he can't help me now George is dead his, his memory lives on but the distinction between crossing the line of faith about Jesus is that I'm not just saying hey I believed he was a great teacher or he was a prophet yes some folks maybe even raise the dead. Some folk may say, I'm not too sure about that. Some of those miracles, you know, it's okay to be in those places where you don't really have certainty about those things. But the point that I want to bring to you is that I want you to have certainty about who he is in your life, that he will be a personal savior, that he will be a personal Lord in your life. And when you cross that line of faith, you no longer are merely assenting to a historical Jesus. Yeah. The world believes that. The Bible says even the demons believe that. They fear and tremble. We're not talking about that kind of belief. We're talking about belief that relies upon, belief that puts the trust into, belief that adheres to, belief that clings on to and says, Jesus, I'm desperate for you. I can't live without you. My life is messed up. I'm jacked up. Folks, that's everybody. That's me. Let me get first in line and tell you, there are none of us that are perfect. The scripture says there is none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus will receive you and love you right where you are, just like you are. But he loves us too much to leave us in what we come to him in. I say that because it's important. You don't have to get all your ducks in a row to come to Jesus because nobody will ever get all your quackers straight point is this. I come to him when I finally can humble myself and say, I need you, Jesus. I can't do this by myself. Be with me. Be with my family. Those of you who've lost jobs, when you meet Jesus, you can begin to put your trust in him and pray. And I promise you, he'll show up and provide for you in ways you never could have dreamed of. But this morning, it's not just what he can do for you. It's what he wants to be to you and in you and eventually through you as you grow in him. He wants you to be one that walks in freedom and liberty and can be the the full and complete person that you were born to be. That's to be one who is a lover of God, one who walks with God. The scripture says that if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, this story that we've talked about today, these bookends, Jesus lived and he died He lived a perfect life and he died and became the sin bearer. He was a substitute who took my place in yours, was buried in the grave. And the third day he got up. Everything that accused me stayed buried in the ground. He got up in newness of life. And now I can be a new creation in Christ. Very simply, it means that I put my trust in him. I stopped trusting myself. And so this morning, wherever you are, whatever you're facing, it's as simple as bowing your heart You don't have to use religious language. Matter of fact, God pays more attention to you when you just talk like you do every day. Just be yourself, be real. Right now, if that's you, normally in this moment, I would have heads bowed and eyes closed around this empty auditorium, this empty sanctuary, and I would ask people to slip up their hand if they would like prayer. You're watching in your homes, maybe on your laptop or maybe on a cell phone or maybe on your TV with your family. I would just ask if you would to bow your heads, bow your hearts with me, And if this is you in this moment, on this very different Easter Sunday than we've ever had before, this can be a life-changing experience for you if you will take the step of faith and cross that line of faith and ask Jesus Christ to be Savior and Lord of your life, to surrender your heart to him. If you're ready to do that, let's pray right now. Pray these words after me. Father, thank you for this word. I see today with fresh understanding who Jesus is. Thank you for your sacrifice for me that you took my sins away. I need you, Jesus. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I put my trust in you and I ask you right now, Jesus, save me. Change my heart Transform my life, O God. Take the mess that I've made and begin to bring order out of my chaos. Bring light out of my darkness. In that name of Jesus, I pray. And all of God's people said, amen. If you prayed that prayer, look to the Lord. God wants to do something very special and very powerful in your life. Thank you for joining us today. He is risen indeed. Amen.